granted that I stand before you today knowing that God is going to do exactly what he set out to do today. So why don't you join me as I open up in prayer. Join me. Righteous Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I lay aside everything of my own accord. I'm nothing but an empty vessel through which I declare by faith that you will pour out your word unto your people from heaven. We've seen many Sundays before. We've heard many messages before. But today we, heard, we will hear a message from heaven that's in season, that is on time. A message that will set the captives free, Lord. Heavenly Father, I ask that you will open the eyes of the hearts of everyone that is here today. That when they hear your word, they shall be obedient to it. And they shall bear fruit from the word which you send from heaven today. I declare victory over your word today. That it will achieve exactly what you set out to achieve. That those who don't know Christ will leave here today crossing over from death to life. And the captives will be set free. The broken hearts will be healed. Those who are physically ill will get healed. And those who are lack will leave with the spirit of abundance. And those who haven't experienced the abundant life will walk out of here today better than they came in. Your desire, Lord, is that we leave here today better than we came in. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to, why don't we give a shout out to uh, Pastor Joe and Alicia. They're watching right now. We're just going to let them know. We love you. We love you. We love you. Have fun in the sun. We'll see you when you get back. What God has put in my heart, I want to start out by you just uh, turning your attention to the screens left and right. Running? That's our only option. You gotta kick it, man. Dang. I need a 51-yard field goal. Coach, I can't kick that far. David, they've been stopping the run of the pass all night. You're my best option. Coach, the farthest I've ever kicked is a 39-yarder. There's no way I can kick a 51-yard field goal. I believe you can. Your job is to do the best you can with the results of the guy. I need you on that field. Our field goal unit! Grant, we've got to throw it. He can't kick it from there. It's too far. No, it's not. What are you doing? I'm preparing for rain. I don't understand this, but with two seconds left on the clock, Coach Grant Taylor and the Shallow Eagles are putting the game in the hands of a 145-pound backup kicker. This is not a good move on Grant Taylor's part. He even has to kick into the wind. He's not ready, Granny. Don't think he can do it. I don't have any more timeouts. Call a timeout, Bobby Lee. This kid can't kick that far. Call that timeout. Call a timeout anyway, and let's ice him. David, are you telling yourself you're going to miss this kick? Coach, it's too far. Listen to me. Do you think God could help you make this kick? Do you believe it, David? Yeah, if he wants to. So do I. But you have got to give me your best and move the rest up to him. Will you do that for me?
make this field goal or not. We're gonna praise it. But don't you walk off this field having done any less than your best. to your feet, please. Turn to the person beside and say, you're an overcomer. Do you believe that? Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Just in case you missed some of the sounds on the clip, I love this movie, Facing the Giants, because it depicts life. That sometimes we have to just face the giant. But when we face giants in our lives, we can overcome. We can get over it. The coach, Coach Grant Taylor, he said to young David, do you believe that God can help you to do this? And he said, yes, if he wants to. His dad, if you missed this, his dad had to get out of that wheelchair and I love that scene where his dad has his arms raised. The guard goes to touch him and he says, I'm standing for my son. And picture Jesus on the cross when you're facing your giant and he's, Jesus is saying, I am standing for you, my son or my daughter. I'm standing for you. Today I want to talk to you about the truth that you can get over it. You can get over it, no matter what the circumstances in life. Jesus went to the cross. Why? He overcame. Why? That you can get over any and all circumstances in this life. In this life. Get over it. Many of you have probably used those words or your parents or someone has used it to you. Ever heard of build a bridge and get over it? Get mad and get over it? What about, it's just a matter of time, you'll get over it. Or get over it and move on. Or young girls, you might have heard the words, he wasn't the right one for you, get over him. Get over him, get over it. Those are words that uh, we either use or have heard them. The truth is, on a daily basis, we have an opportunity to either get over things or endure things 
or go around them. Some of you this morning had to get over a lot to be here. You had to get over the temptation to stay in, sleep in bed. You had to, some of us had to get over our spouse, get over your kids. Some of you had to get over the tempting weather to be down the shore. And right now, some of you are already thinking, when is this going to end? But guess what? You got to get over it. You got to hear my message. You got to hear what God has to hear for you today. So you might as well get over that. Don't think about the end right now. The truth of the matter is that we were created to have dominion over all things. You know that, right? That's how God created us. Come with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. When you get there, say, word up. Genesis 1, verse 26. We were created to have dominion over all things. All things. The Word of God says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over once the fish of the sea, over twice the birds of the air, over the third time the cattle, over the fourth time the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Five times. The word over is translated there. Over. The truth of the matter is that when you think about our limited vernacular mind, the word over simply just means above. The Hebrew word that was, was used there actually means much more than that. It means to rule, to exercise authority, to have dominion, to reign, to govern, to gain control. For me, I like the word reign. You are created to reign. Joseph Prince says, you're destined to reign. You are created to rule, to exercise authority. You think the word over is important? Yes, it is. It's used 49 times in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. 49 times. Over and over again, God says that you have dominion over over. We humans, we like to actually rule over each other. But truth to be told, God's intention was that we rule over all our circumstances. I was at uh, ShopRite about two weeks ago, and how many of you love to uh, love the, the ShopRite sweet corn that comes out at this time of the year? I just love those corns. I don't know how they get them to taste the same way every year. So anyway, I'm in ShopRite, and I'm shelling the corn. Anybody shell the corns in ShopRite? Anybody do that? I'm shelling those corns. This guy comes up to me, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm shelling the corns. He says, are you married? Yep, yes, sir, I'm married. He says, you shouldn't be shelling the corns. Take them home to your wife. That's her job. Let her shell them. And if she don't like them, she can return them. What was he saying? What was he doing? He was saying, man, you need to rule over your wife. He was saying, you need to rule over your wife. About a minute later, I heard him shouting to one of the workers in ShopRite, saying, hey, I need more corn, I need more corn. Guess who was the worker that was standing there who was responsible for bringing out the corn? It was a woman. When I left, you were still waiting on the corns. But ladies, whenever 
a man try to rule over you, point him to Genesis 3, 16. I'm not going to go there. Tell him the truth. That man ruling over you came as a result of sin. You know that? Jesus says to the woman, he says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That's sin. All you have to do, woman, is you, all you have to do is submit to your wife according to E522. And us men, all we have to do is to love our wives like Christ loved the church. What he didn't know, that guy in ShopRite, in his mind, he said, I should rule over my wife by taking those corns home to her. You see, that, that's being a slave to sin. Why would I take the shells home when I can leave them in ShopRite? What he didn't, what he didn't know is that, that I am ruling over these corns. Not only am I shelling them, I take them home, I cut them up, I boil them, I put them on the grill, and we have a great time. Adam and Eve was undone. They were overcome by the evil one. You know, I love it in Romans 12, 21. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but let good overcome evil. It's clear that we were created as overcoming beings, being capable to overcome a continuous flow of hurdles, circumstances. God's plan of salvation, as you know, is good overcoming evil, right? At the center of that plan is Jesus Earlier on, we were singing, Jesus, be the center of our lives. That's what salvation is all about. God's plan of salvation is about you putting Jesus at the center of your life. Why at the center? You know, I often teach that I, the, the challenge I have with priorities, once I come to know Christ, I have a different perspective on priorities. Because in the, in, the, in the world, when you think of priority, you do something first, and then you probably forget about it because it's done. Then you go on to the second thing on your list, the third thing, the fourth thing. And when you do that with God, yes, you can put God first. And then by the time you get all the way down to your list, God, God is not there. No, God wants to be the center of item number one, number two, number three, number four. He wants to be the center of everything that you do. He wants to be the center of it all. It doesn't matter what it is that you face. You need to understand that Christ already overcame whatever it is that you face. Come with me to John 16, verse 33. John 16, verse 33. When you get there, say, word up. Give everyone a chance to get there. We all need to be looking at the Word. We all need to be looking at the Word. Don't take what I say, just take what I say or what any minister says. You want to be looking at the Word for yourself. Why? Because in looking at the Word, God speaks to you and you get a revelation. If I don't know anything else, I know a little about revelation. Many of you know part of my story. Um, I somehow ended up at a Christian college with all... What everyone else was learning to become ministers and be in full-time ministry, that was far from my heart, I can tell you that. I ended up there out of convenience. It was convenient. I was on my own since age 17. 
I worked, sent myself back to college, and it was the nearest one to where I worked. I just went there. It's the truth. And I can tell you that the time that I spent there, and fortunately, I had to do some of the same Bible studies and courses that those who were studying to be pastors had to do. I only wanted to do business. I just wanted to get a degree that says business. I don't care where it was for, where it was from. But I had to do some of those same courses that they were doing. But you see, God had a plan. My friends used to say to me, why are you going to the school? What are you ever going to do with all those classes that you have to take? He says, I don't know. And I can tell you, I didn't get one revelation. I knew every one of those subject matters. I scored A on every one of those courses. And I took it as pride to challenge every one of those pastors. Zero revelation I got. I persecuted them. I ridiculed them. Here I am today. Years <laughs> later. I'm like, God, you are such a comedian. But I tell you that story to tell you this about looking at the word of God. That you can, you can read scriptures all you want, all the days of your life, and you have no revelation. You can know those scriptures, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and you quote them, and you have no revelation. God wants you to have a revelation. He wants you to look at those words and have him speak to you through his spirit that the word become life that you live. That is a revelation. It's not the amount of scriptures that you know. It's not the amount of scriptures that you quote. It's the amount of scriptures that you have a revelation in that you can live. That's how you overcome. Let me get back to the scripture. These things I have spoken to you. That in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus was speaking to the disciples. When you think about this word overcome that is used here. The Greek word is nikaho. And it literally translates to conquer, to prevail, to have victory. To get over it. To have victory. Are you having victory in your life? Are you conquering? Are you prevailing? Jesus already overcame. That you can get over it. He said in this world, you will have trials and tribulation. But where is peace? Notice God says that, Jesus says that you may have peace. That's one of the words I pick up in there. I'm like, I was studying this. I'm like, Jesus, why... Didn't you say we will have peace? Why didn't you give that absolute that you will have peace? That as long as I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I will just have peace. He says you may have peace, but he says in this world you will. You may have peace, but in this world you will. And many of us for the rest of our lives as believers, we go around thinking that why don't I have this peace and by the way, I, I didn't sign up for this Christianity thing that I'm having tribulation. No, you missed the fact, the truth that Jesus says you will have tribulation, but he says you may have peace in him. That means that it is not guaranteed, but you have to put your trust in him that your may will become will and that the will of the tribulation can't match his will. We're created to have to live a life of 
dominion over all things, all circumstances. Humanity lost that dominion, but Jesus restored it. The truth, though, as believers, we can endure things for the rest of our lives and never overcome anything. Let me repeat that. You can endure all things for the rest of your life, but you never overcome anything. Endurance as a purpose. What do I know about overcoming? What do I know about enduring? Endurance as a purpose. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Don't just be satisfied, believers, with just enduring. Don't be satisfied. Don't be be pulled into a false sense of security will just endure in all things for the rest of your life, but you never overcome. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, when you get there, say, word out. Word of God says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross. Great. Absolutely, he endured the cross. But there was a purpose. That endurance was a bridge. That endurance was a ladder. That enduring the cross was a stepping stone. And the Bible says that, but for joy that was set before him, he overcame. He was there enduring everything. But that endurance had a purpose. He endured the cross to get to the grave that he could overcome the grave and sin once and for all for you. Don't just endure. Don't just endure it. Get over it. For many of us, our past is one of those things that we endure. But our past really is nothing but a hurdle for you to get over, to walk full in your calling. I ask you today, is there anything in your past that you haven't gotten over? You might have just been enduring it. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's resentment. Maybe it's disappointment, failures, bad break, rejection, unforgiveness. So you can go through the rest of your life, and as you encounter those things, you just go around them. And you meet the other one, and you just go around them. And your past comes back up and you're just enduring it. And all you're doing is just keeping going around it. But Jesus endured the cross, overcame the grave, that when you encounter those things, that you can get over it and keep moving. You can get over the resentment, get over the disappointment, get over the unforgiveness, get over everything in your past and keep moving. The good thing about getting over is when you get over, as you're going over, you're looking back at it and you said, God, you already overcame this thing, so I'm going to keep moving. And even if it comes back up again, you get over it again in your past and you keep moving. Don't just go around your past. Don't just endure it. Get over it. The Bible is littered, littered with examples of people who faced troubled past, but they had to get over it to walk in their calling. Moses, 
murdered an Egyptian guard, murdered. He had to get over that so that he could walk fully in his calling to be there when God called him to deliver Israel from the hands of the Egyptian. King David committed adultery with Bathsheba, ordered her husband Uriah to be killed. He had to get over that to become the great king of Israel. And through him, the lineage of him, Christ came to earth. What about Joseph? He saw a vision of what God had in his future. But he was sold into slavery. He was thrown into prison for something that he didn't do. He had to get over it that he could be there the day when his family came that he could say, what you meant for harm, God has turned into good. He had to get over it. What about the disciple Peter? The faithful one denied Jesus not once, not twice, three times. He had to get over it. That on the day of Pentecost, he could stand and he could be the voice through which the Holy Spirit worked. And 3,000 saved. He had to get over it. The Apostle Paul wrote almost half of the New Testament. Persecuted Christians. Murdered Christians. He had to get over that past that he could be the one through which God sent the gospel to the Gentiles, you and I. Great men and women that we all read and applaud in the Bible, they had to overcome their past. And you can do the same. No matter what you face in your past, present or future, you can get over it because Christ already overcame it all. Don't be satisfied with only living a life of endurance. Jesus rose on the third day that you can get over any and everything in your past. Don't let your past be a, a baggage that you're, trying, you're carrying on your feet. Don't let it be, you're just dragging it. No, shake it off. I like that song that says, shake, shake, shake it off. Shake, shake, shake it off. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't just endure it. Get over it. For many of us, you know what we need to get over? Ourselves. Let me repeat that. For many of us, what we need to get over is ourselves. Our selfish desires, our self-pride, our self-reliant, our self-confidence, our self-control, our self-pity, our self-righteousness, our self-sufficiency, our self-worth. At last, many of us need to get over our selfies. For those, for those of you who don't know what a selfie is, it's taking a picture of yourself and you do something like this. But what's the purpose of a selfie? Is that for yourself or is it for others? Really? I, see, I, I, I saw this, this poster and it says, um, a selfie a day keeps insecurity away. Is that true? Is that what we have come to? We need a selfie to keep insecurity away? For many of you young people who uh, think that you're technologically savvy, you're hip with your selfies and it's new and it's cool, I want you to think again. Selfies are not new. Where's Michael? Michael is over there. Martin and, uh, and, and Kate who probably know this. They're students of photography. Robert Cornelius 
a pioneer American in photography. In 1839, actually, he took the first selfie. The process was so slow that he would uncover the lens, run in front of the camera, take the picture, go back, cover it, and then go and develop. Selfie is not that new. Don't be that selfish about your selfie. It's not that new. I guess we need to get over ourselves and our selfies. I remember talking about getting over yourself. When my daughter, Rhea, was about five, we signed her up for soccer. And her first game was on a Saturday. I remember it very vividly. And there were, the kids were playing the game. And um, Rhea got hit with the ball a couple of times. And in her mind, she got hit one too many times. She ran off the field and ran over to me. Daddy, I don't want to play anymore. That's it. I, wanna. I, knelt, I knelt down, got down to her level. And I said, Rhea, Courtney, Princess C. Robinson, listen to Daddy right now. You wipe your tears, get over yourself, and get back on that field right now. She got back on the field, scored not one, not two, not three, four goals, and they won the game. Sometimes our self stands in the way of our greatest victory. Don't let yourself stand in the way. Self can be dangerous. Jesus wants us to surrender ourselves. I know sometimes I just have to say, Lord, just let myself get out the way. Our self is not only in the way of us, our self is in the way of others getting to Christ. I often hear it says that what we do echo into eternity. And one of my prayers is that, Lord, I pray that I am not an hindrance to anyone coming to know you. Surrender myself. Let me share the story with you talking about getting over yourself. Come with me to Luke chapter 18. When you get there, say word up. Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 23. This is a story about the rich young ruler. Many of you are acquainted with it. Luke 18, verses 18 to 23. When you get there, say word up. Guys are fast. The Bible says, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All... These things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. I guess this rich young ruler needed to get over himself. 
Simply put, Jesus was asking him to get over the very thing that he was selfish with, his possession. Why would Jesus ask a rich, young ruler? He's got everything going on for him. Man, he couldn't be just rich, but he had to be rich and young. I feel that sometimes. That's, that's the way I want to be. And he's a ruler. He has authority. And Jesus is going to ask this young man to give it all up. See, sometimes our self gets in the way. What if God asked you to give all you have? I can tell you that I know when I started out with the concept of tithing, took me a little while to get it. But one of the reasons I got it was I got the revelation that here I am being concerned about 10%, but on the other hand, I am proclaiming that I surrender all to God and I'm totally sold out for him. And um, I read this story and I'm like, what if God asked me to give everything? Seriously. And I got it. I'm like, you know what? I will gladly give the 10%. <laughs> I will gladly give the 10%. Because I'm being honest with you. There has been time when, yes, I have encountered where God has said to give everything that you have on the spot. Anyone? I'm good with that. But what if God said to give everything away? I don't know if I could do it. Be honest. I don't know. So we look at the rich young ruler and we're like, man, because he was rich and God asked him, by the way, he is, he's Jew, God asked him to not just give away everything. He says, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Sell it and give it to the poor. He had to get over himself. Why? What the rich young ruler didn't understand. God is never trying to get something away from you unless it hinders the relationship with him. He's actually trying to get something to you that is greater than that very thing that you think he's asking you to give up. Amen. Come with me further. Go to verse 28. Same Luke 18. Go to verse 28. We often read these, this, the, these passages about the rich young ruler. And unless you read it in context, you will not get the full story. I told you earlier, I didn't learn a whole lot in Bible college. But the one thing I did learn is that I learned two things, actually. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. And I also learned you must read the scriptures in context so you don't take it out of context. Read the scriptures when you're studying. Oftentimes when a teacher or minister is doing a message, they don't always have the time to put it in context for you. But when you're studying the word of God, you read it in context. You read the entire story and ask God to reveal to you. And you said, Lord, how does this apply to my life? Tell me what you meant, Jesus. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, when you sat down and you spoke to the disciples and you said this, I don't understand what you were saying then. I need you to tell me what you're saying now to me. God can handle it, by the way. That's how he wants you to be with him. He can handle it. And then let the Bible interpret the Bible. Don't listen to people that says the Bible contradicts. The Bible never contradicts because you're not reading it in context. That's why you think it is contradicting. 
The Bible will interpret the Bible. So the Bible is going to answer this question. I said to you, why would Jesus ask the rich young ruler to give everything? Let the Bible answer. Are you in verse 28? Verse 28. You guys are faster than me, man. All right, let me get there. Verse 28. Then Peter said, let me give you a little bit of context. What happened between verse 23 and 28? So Jesus said this to the rich young ruler. He went away. Then Jesus said, man, it's going to be so tough for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go to a needle eye. And the disciples are like, holy crap, that's it. We're done. We can't understand this thing. He said, they're, they're like, there's no hope for us. They're like, there is no hope for us. If the rich young ruler can't make it to heaven, they're like, what I, I can't make this. This doesn't make any sense. And then Peter, Peter, loudmouth Peter said, see what, see, we have left all and followed you. So he, meaning Jesus, said, assuredly, earlier Pastor John um, teached on this. Anytime you see in the Bible it says assuredly or truly, truly or verily, verily, it's heavy stuff that is coming from Jesus. Take note of it. I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive, how many times? Many times more when in the present time, in the age to come, eternal life. You think God was just trying to take away the rich young ruler's possession? He thought he was rich. God was about to make him wealthy. Some of your translation says a hundredfold. So if he was worth a hundred million, how much would he be worth? If it's a hundredfold? With bees, billions. God says anyone, anyone who have given up anything to follow me and to advance the kingdom of God, not only will they have eternal life, but he says they shall, they shall receive many times over what they have given up. When? In this lifetime. In this lifetime. We're too, we're sometimes we're too occupied with the eternity. You know, the, 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 someone says that uh, you can't be so spiritually minded that you're off no earthly good. God wanted to give to this young man many times over what he was going to give up. God wants to give. When you give up of yourself, get over yourself and surrender to God, he wants to bring to you many times what it is that you think that you are giving up. Many times. Sometimes we just have to get over ourself. Sometimes it ourself that stands in the way of our greatest victory. Jesus had something greater in mind for the rich young ruler. Something greater. Whenever you remember this story, go to the end. You see, if you just stop that Jesus asked him to give up everything and he went away, you wouldn't have known the way that Jesus wanted the story to end. When God is asking you to get over your past and your circumstances and get over yourself, it's because he has something greater many times over for you. Don't miss that. Don't miss it. God is never trying to get something from you, but rather something to you. 
Many of us are satisfied with just saying, I am just the way I am. I want to be that way. But I tell you, get over yourself and surrender yourself to God. It is a beauty when you surrender yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting over myself. You see, here is the truth. Yourself could be the only thing that's standing in the way of Ephesians 3.20. I don't have that. I'm not going to bring that scripture up. But it's one of my life scriptures, which says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, far above what you can ask, think, or imagine, according to the power that works in us. Many of us want exceedingly abundantly. We want that, right? But what stands in the way sometimes is our self that stands in the way of that exceedingly abundantly. The power of God wants to work through us. He, the power of God wants to work through a surrendered self, an insufficient self, an incapable self, an unhindered self. Some of us are too cute, too cool for ourselves. Sometimes we need to just get over ourselves. So you might ask the question, how do I live this life of perpetual overcoming and getting over for some of us, we can't get over the fact that we thought we should have been much further in life than where we are. We can't get over the fact that we have a desire and a dream and, and we don't understand why it hasn't happened as yet. We can't get over the fact that um, your physical is sick and your healing is not fully manifested as yet. You can't get over some broken heart or something that happened to you some time ago. You can't just get over it. But I'm here to tell you today that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is here to help you get over that. So how do you live this perpetual life of getting over? How did Jesus in three years did all that he did? How did he did it? Three years, not 13, not 30, in three years. Very simple. Jesus said, I only do and say what I hear the Father tell me to do and say. Let me repeat that. Jesus said, I only. You know, we often like to say that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No, I, I, I clarify that by saying, no, what we need to say is that we can only do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Only. You can only do all things. You can't just do all things. You can only do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because the moment you think in and of yourself that you can do it, you can't do it. Come with me to 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8 and 9. As I talk to you about how do you live this perpetual life of overcoming? How? Who better to learn from than the Apostle Paul? If I say to you the answer is simply through the grace of God, you may say, is that it? And I'm going to say, yes, get over it. It is by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 to 9. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord. Anybody ever pleaded with God? Yeah? Have you ever pleaded with God three times about the same thing? Three times. That it might... Depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of God, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Prior to this, Paul had explained his vision to the Corinthians. He told them about his vision. And then Paul says that I have this thorn in my flesh that was given to me. There are many theories about what this thorn is. Many theories about what it is. As a matter of fact, if you look at all the commentaries, it's, absolute, it's actually, actually very difficult to be absolutely 100% clear what it is. There are a number of theories. Some, some say that it was Paul being persecuted by the Jews. Others said that Paul remembered his past. Some say he had uh, depression or physical ailment. Some said it was just himself that he needed to get over. What we're certain of is that Paul pleaded with God three times. We're sure of that. We're sure that God responded to him and says, My grace is enough for you. In other words, it's as though God was saying to Paul, Be it your past, be it present, or be it yourself. You need to know right now, that my unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor is sufficient for you to get over it. It's not your performance. It's not by our performance that we can live this perpetual life of getting over, getting over, getting over. It's not our good work. It's not our good past or good self that allows you to live this life. It's taking hold of that unsurpassing favor of God that allow you to get over and get over and get over and reign over all things. Jesus didn't just endure the cross, but he went to the grave and he rose on the third day that you can live a life of overcoming. If all we're going to do is just endure, if all we're going to do is just go around those things, then we don't need Jesus. The world out there wants to see us getting over our past, getting over ourselves, that the glory of God will pull them unto Christ. We are created to get over all things. One of the ways to get over all things, Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 to 12, that he says that I have learned how to be content. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Godly contentment simply means to be satisfied to the point of no disturbance or disquietness in your heart. Have you learned to be content? Notice Paul says, I have learned. I mean, there was a process. It happened over time and there had to be a teacher for you to learn something. Have you learned to be content? About all things, Paul says, I've learned to be content about all things, good or bad. Paul says, when I had a lot, I was content. When I had a little, I'm content. He says, I have learned over time to be content. To be content meaning to make Jesus the center of it all, that you can be content, that any and everything that comes your way, you can get over it. What do I know about getting over things? I'm going to ask Pastor Kev to come up as we get ready to close. 
I want you to picture yourself and you're on your life journey. And as you are walking, there are things in your past, there are circumstances that present themselves to you. You have a choice to either go around it because you just don't want to deal with it, keep going around. I don't want to deal with it today. I don't want to deal with it tomorrow. I am the way I am. I don't really want to get over myself. Or you can let the power of God, which raised Jesus from the dead, lead you in such a way that whatever comes your way, as Jesus said, that as it comes your way, you just get over it. You get over yourself and said, even though it happened yesterday and it presents itself today again, I'm still going to get over it. And I'm just going to keep walking in my calling because nothing is going to prevent me from the love of God and just keep getting over it and getting over it and getting over it. We were created to live a life of perpetual overcoming. Sometimes we're too concerned about the circumstances. And we're too conscious about the circumstances, but we really need to be conscious about, conscious about the cross and Jesus. You see, as you are getting over it, your life, you are on this mountain. And as soon as you get over one and you're down, you're having a good time here and a good season. There comes another mountain that you got to get over it and you just keep going. But you can't do it in and of yourself. I can tell you, I had a very simple life, a very good life. You see, I thought my mom was superwoman, and she was, even before there was Superman. It was my mom and five of us. And life was very simple. You only ask for things once. And if she said she doesn't have it, you don't ask a second time. Life was very simple. You had to go to church, no matter what. And you had to do good in school. That was your responsibility. I remember once my brother got into some trouble in high school. My mom had to come to school. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. My mom is doing three, four jobs. My mom had to leave a job to come to school because you're in trouble. My brother had a very bad temper. And then one day he got physical and hurt another one of his fellow classmates. My mom came and the principal wanted to expel him. Well, I accompanied my mom because I was the oldest one. I was like the father figure. The principal knew me very well. I was well known in school. And the principal, we made a deal that my brother would follow in my footstep everything that I do and he wouldn't get expelled. I can tell you this, my brother got over his anger problem very quickly after my mom dealt with him. Today he preaches the, today he preaches the gospel. He got over it. But growing up, very humble beginning, tropical island of Jamaica, man. I knew my father wasn't there. I didn't know where he was. Unlike many kids, I never rode a bike. I 
never rode a bike. Why? Because the only thing I remembered is a bike that was given to me by my dad. And he was going to come back and teach me to ride that bike. That bike sat there for 15 years. I never rode it. So growing up, the life that I, my mom made sure we never had self-pity. So I never thought about my dad at all, for the most part. I thought everything was good with me. The more, the older I got, I was like, without my dad, I'm fine. I had a glorious life, simple life, no issue at all. And the older I got is the more I said there's no reason I need my dad. No reason I would need him. If I got through 10, 15, 20, 25, why would I need my dad again? I never knew him. When I was a teenager, I wanted to know him physically. Because I wanted to identify him if I saw him. That's the only desire I had. And at the age of 28... Say 28. 28. I got a message that my dad wanted to meet me. At age 28, I have no need for my dad. I'm over that past. I am who I am. I don't need him. And my mom and my wife, thank God they had the spirit of discernment. They said, yes, you need this. They said, you need this. You see, in and of myself, I can tell you that as far as I'm concerned, there was nothing that I needed to get over with him. I flew all the way from Jamaica to Pennsylvania to meet my mom. Then I went to New York to meet my dad. And all the, I tell, when I tell you I didn't have any resentment, I really didn't have any because life was just good for me. He just wasn't there and that's it. I got over it. I moved on. When I met him, when I faced that past, resentment started to build up. You see, sometimes you think you have gotten over your past, but all you've done is that you have endured, you've gone around it. Until you meet it face to face, then you know if you have gotten over it. And the more I got to know him is the more I got inside of me, I got resentment and anger. Why? Because I had ex expectation that he would have remorse. He had no remorse. He never wanted to talk about all those 28 years that he was missing. And that made me angry. That made me angry. And I convinced myself that it was okay. That I was good. Somehow, praise be to God that he had this strong woman by my side. And she said, "Hun, you need to get this squared away. She said, you're saying one thing that you're okay, you're overcoming, but your actions are different. And I'm seeing that, that you are not seeing. And when my daughter was born, I got a revelation. I said, God, I'm not going to continue the rest of my life and let her know this resentment that I had for my dad. And God says, you will never walk full in your calling unless you get over that. And I said, Lord, have your way. And I made peace with my dad. All he wanted to do was to talk to me. I couldn't understand that after 28 years, anything he was doing, anything was going on, he only wanted to talk to me. I'm like, 
you weren't there for 28 years. Why you have, you have other kids? Why don't you talk to them? Why don't you deal with them? No, he only wanted to talk to me. I had to release him. I had to release myself. And I made peace with him. And to cut a long story short, the only thing my daughter remembers right now is me in the hospital praying over my dad when he was going to be with the Lord. I had to get over my past. I had to get over myself. Praise be to God because I was carrying that unknowingly, unwittingly, I was carrying it. Not only was I carrying that past, but myself stood in the way. I wouldn't be standing in front of you today as a man of God, free and reigning in victory, had I not made peace with him and released him. The most precious moment I have in life with my dad is praying with him and praying with him and praying with him. I had to get over that past. I had to get over myself. I'm telling you, I convinced myself that everything was okay. It wasn't. Today, for you, as I close out, maybe there is something in your past that you have just gone around. I'm telling you, just like the examples from the Bible that I told you about earlier, God wants you to get over it no matter what it is, whether it's your past or yourself, and keep moving. But the number one thing for those who haven't overcome sin as yet is that we need to overcome the truth of the matter that in this life we are born into sin. But through Christ who endured the cross and went to the grave and overcame the grave, we can step over from darkness into the marvelous light and start to live that overcoming life. The way you do that is to join me by just bowing your heads and say these words with me. You might not have made that step as yet to live the overcoming life. This could be your first or your only opportunity. It could be your last opportunity to accept the overcoming power of God. I'm telling you today that you can walk out of here knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over your life and you begin that process of transformation. The Bible says how you do it. It says that the Bible says that in Romans 10 verse 9 that if you believe in your heart and speak it with your mouth, you shall be saved. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, I believe Jesus to be your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And three days later, he rose again and overcame the grave that I might have a new life. I repent of my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me brand new and be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes closed out of respect for everyone. If you said that for the first time, or if you said that and 
today somehow you got a conviction that Jesus came to earth in the form of a fleshly man that you can live this overcoming life if you want to be guaranteed that you will have this overcoming life in eternity and the here and now just raise your hand I pray that everyone here have already made that step in closing I want to do this I want to release the overcoming anointing on you if you have something in your past that may be unwittingly like me unknowingly you carried it for many years maybe these are circumstances that you're facing right now maybe you have grown to be okay with just enduring it with condoning it with going around it maybe it is yourself that stands in the way of you walking fully in your calling Whatever it is, I want you to know that the power of God is here today. That you can have an encounter. That you can leave here today. That that power rests upon you, that overcoming power. If you're one of those persons who you want to have this overcoming power flowing in and through you, just come up here right now as I release this over you. Don't leave here with that thing don't carry it another day don't let it stand between you and, and many times over you heard the story about the rich young ruler you heard about what stood in the way of him getting many times over don't let anything in this earth, whether it is alive or dead, stand in the way of you walking fully in your calling. The power of God is here. That as you worship and as you make Jesus the center of your life, as you have that encounter, he will release that anointing that you can live every single day of your life overcoming. Don't be a believer that only overcomes some things and some days. God wants you to know that He can work good out of all things. You can overcome.